theyeshiva.net. We're on page Bays of the Kuntras, in the middle of Bossi Lagani Tovshin Tasvav, in the middle of Ois Bays. That's in the Kuntras, it's on page Yud Bays. Eight lines from the top. The line starts Binyan Adeyat. The Nikuda, the summation in a few sentences till now was that the way to overcome Shtus de Umaza, the insanity of unholiness, is through Shtus de Kdusha. And the Maimer brought the Gemara in Ksuvis, where Rabbi Shmuel Rabbi Yitzchak used to dance with three Hadassim at every wedding, at weddings. And Rabbi Zayda said, he's embarrassing us. But at his funeral, there was a pillar of fire that separated him from the rest of the world. The Gemara says in Ksuvis, and Rabbi Zayda said, that the Shtus, this uh, abnormal behavior, which Rabbi Zayda was once embarrassed, this is what caused... Reb Shmuel, Reb Yitzchak, to reach such high spiritual levels to the point that the whole world saw the unique state of Reb Shmuel, Reb Yitzchak. What's the connection of Shtuz Dikdusha to a wedding and to dancing at a wedding? That that's where he chose to behave in this way. So the Rebbe says that's why in Basi Lagani Tavshin Yud, the Rebbe Rayatz adds that there's something unique about a wedding, there's something unique about marriage, and therefore, precisely by that experience is when Rabbi Shmuel Bar Yitzchak behaved in this way of shtuz diktush. What is it? So he said, the difference between dancing and walking is, the Alter Rebbe says in Lekut Atayr and Parshas Tzav, that walking is also movement, it's also growing, but it represents a transition that's gradual and relative. Dancing is an experience where a person tears himself away from his present position and moves in to a new place to the point, as he says in Yiddish, he tears himself up away completely from his present condition and goes into a new place. That's the concept of Raktu Cheelim. We say in Halal, they dance like rams which have no das. And because they have no das, so therefore they dance in a completely uninhibited and unintelligent way. They're jumping and leaping. You know, you see, uh, you see how uh, deer, uh, deer leap. They leap with this unique swiftness. They don't have this das inhibiting them that they have to uh, look balabatish as they, they come to visit you in the early mornings here. Huh? Depends where you live. Depends you know. where you live. Yeah, yeah, where where I am, where I am. <laughs> we have a lot of we have a lot of them. Huh? That's for sure. Yeah. So Raktu Cha'elim, they leap and they leap in this uninhibited way because they're rams, they're animals, they don't have das. But the Alter Rebbe says that the shoyrish of this comes from Mamailam and Adas. It comes from beyond das, and that's the concept of dancing: a complete, uninhibited, unstructured. If you're dancing in a way that's completely structured and you're self-conscious, you know, sometimes by the weddings they're dancing, but the dancing is worse than, uh, than just sitting around and talking because it's so structured, it's so self-conscious. But real dancing, a completely uninhibited way, is like leaping and running and sw- swift and un- 
unconscious in the sense of a ram. So even though by a ram it's lamata menadas, it's biyotlodas, but the shoydish is lamayla menadas. What warrants this? A wedding. Why a wedding? A man and a woman coming together is not just a, two people together. The Shechina comes among them. And not only the Shechina, but Yudke. Yud and He, which are the first two letters of the Shechina. And that's why the, 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 the tremendous revelation of Ruchnius at a wedding is so intense that in order for a person to be part of it, they have to lift themselves up, Lamailam and Hadas. Because with Das, you can't experience and fathom the tremendous gilu that happens at a wedding when a Isha and a Isha become together, they come, become one as a husband and a wife, which is what a simcha of a wedding is. So now he continues. The line starts bazeh. You see, it's around 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 10 lines from the top. This will be understood based on what the middle Rebbe explains in the Siddur. On the Brache, we say in Sheva Brachas, You should bring joy to the beloved friends. The beloved friends should have simcha, just like your Creator gave you simcha. But Pashtus, it's referring to Adam and Chava, who were the first couple, and this was a marriage made in heaven, quite literally. And the joy that this couple had, Beganeidin Mikedem, in the Ganeidin of Yor, in the primordial Ganeidin, in the Garden of Eden, where they were created, this is the bracha we're giving every, every couple. Is this a different Siddur than the Alter Rebbe Siddur? No, this is the Alter Rebbe Siddur. The, the Alter Rebbe wrote a Nusach of Davening, as you know. Rebbe had 60 nuschayis, and he prepared a nusach based on the Arizal, which is the nusach of Chabad. Alter Rebbe's nusach is very bediuk, it's very meticulous and precise. He had 60 versions of davening in front of him when he worked on a siddha, and he wrote the whole siddha with nekudus. Throughout the years, Alter Rebbe also said, My Marim, explaining the text of the siddha. The Mittal Rebbe compiled my Marim that he wrote from his father on the Siddur, and he authored a year after the Alter Rebbe passed away, Tovkufay and Dalet, he authored a Siddur, which is called Siddur Tfilis L'Chalashon, or Siddur Imdach, which is the text surrounded, all around and around, by my Mariam of the Alter Rebbe, almost on every piece of davening, right? Throughout Pesukot Zimra, the Berches Krishma, Shema, and so on and so forth. So that's why the Mittler Rebbe wrote those my Mariam, but they're from the Alter Rebbe, that's why it says the Mittler Rebbe says in the Siddur. So the Mittler Rebbe explains al pichsidus shemikedem koy al pchinus adam kadman shu kadam l'seder yishtalshlus. When it says beganeidin, what does it say mikedem? We all know when ganeidin was. You learn parshas bereishis, you know what ganeidin is. Mikedem means that which is beyond, that which is before the whole seder yishtalshlus, the whole structure of divine energy evolving from the higher to the lower worlds until this world. This is all mikedem. In other words, the simcha of a chasana. Goes higher, it traces its origin beyond Hishtalshalus. And as a result of that, the simch of a marriage is not only because we have in the brachas of Sheva brachas, we have a, a very interesting contradiction the Mittler Rebbe points out. We say, he brings joy to the chasen and the kala. So you have the chasen and together with the chasen the kala. That's samech to samech. Then you go a little further. Bracha chita, the last bracha. 
Baruch Atah Hashem, Asher Baruch, Sosim V'Simcha Chosim V'Chala, Oid Meheri Yishama Baruch Yehuda B'Chutz Yerushalayim, Kol Sosim V'Kol Simcha, Kol Chosim V'Kol Chala, Kol Metzalas Chosana Mechiposim, Unori B'Mishten Yigin Osom, Baruch Atah Adishem, Mesameach Chosan, Imakala. What happened? Sameach to Samachos, was Sameach Chosan V'Chala. You bring joy to the chosan and the kala. At the last bracha, when you finished, it's mesamea chosan ima kala. He's bringing joy to the chosan with the kala. Now, obviously, the words of brachas are very precise. What's the difference between mesamea chosan v'chala, mesamea chosan ima kala? The question is, who's the ikka and who's the tof? By mesamea chosan v'chala, who's the ikka? The chosan. Sameach the chasen, together with the chasen, you bring joy to the kala. Mesameach chasen, imakala is exactly the other way around. Who's the mesameach, who's besimcha? The kala. Elamai will let the chasen join along. Mesameach chasen, imakala. The chasen rejoices with the kala, together. In, together with the kala. But first and primary is the kala. So this is the diuk he's going to address now. The kala comes together with the chosen. The main simcha will be from the kala. The chosen gets it through his wife, through his bride. Al derech shalasid lovin nekeva to save of gev. Pasuk says in Yirmiyah, in the future it will be the feminine energy that will encompass, that will surround, that will encircle, that will that will elevate the gever, the masculine energy. For the gemasi besimchas nisuyin baasivuvin shemasavev sakalos achos and tachas achupa made the kavart. We already have a glimpse of this under the chupa when the kala goes around the chosin. The chosin doesn't go around the kala. The kala goes around the chosin. This is a semi. It's a foretaste of that pchina that we speak about when Mashiach comes, Nekeva, to save of Gever. That the Nekeva, the feminine energy, will encompass. It will be the Ur Makif that surrounds and defines and elevates the masculine energy. So you already have it by the Chupa where the Kala encircles the Chosen like Nekeva to save of Gever. The Inyan is that this concept, this reality, Nimshech this comes from a place which is mikedem, beyond the structure of what we call hishtalshalos. In the order of hishtalshalos, so the zacher is above and the nekeva is below. And she is makabel from the zacher. The feminine receives from the masculine. The masculine gives and the feminine absorbs. But then you reach a space where, first of all, the chasen and the kala are equally, an, what's called shavin bekaimasen in Kabbalah, meaning they have equal height. That's kol chasen vekol kala. It's not mesamea chasen vechala. It's kol chasen vekol kala. The voices, the heights are spiritually equal. Eli Yisaitim is that then you reach even further, step three. Sha'akale lamayla mea chasen. The kala is beyond the chasen. Va'achem imenunim shechas asim chala chasen shubebchinas makabal. To the point that it's through her that he gets the simcha. He becomes a makabal from his wife. Have you already reached the third stage? Ah? Huh? Okay. Yeah? This is when you go beyond the shtashlus and then you're Megala. 
the, not only the equality, but even the superiority of the Nekeva over the Chassan. And that's Mesamea Chassan in Akala. And this is what he adds in the Maimer. That the way one experiences, one sees. This tremendous Hamshacha at a wedding is, Yudin Hay, is it comes out in a Binyan Adayat. What he means is, Since the relationship between the man and the woman originates in a place which is beyond st- structure of Ishtashalus. So what marriage does is it introduces into the structure of life something that is beyond structure. It introduces into finite life something that's infinite. It creates an eternal edifice. It's the only thing that transcends time and it lasts for eternity. Kiyadu as it's no. The place where we see most a manifestation of infinity in the world. Not just in a super not just in an aloof way, but meaning that the Kayach of Ain Saif comes out in a revealed way in the creation is in birth. Which is the objective of marriage. To create a family, a binyan adayad, an eternal edifice through a blessed generation of children, grandchildren, grandchildren, hopefully at Saif Kaladonis, it has the power to go till the end of all generations and is not limited to a particular time or a particular space, but rather spans eternity. So that's why we say, and we also say, which is the source of the expression of binyan adayad. So what's the Nakuda? What's the Nekudah we're bringing out? L'cha'ira, often you would say marriage is a, a limitation on life. Marriage is is what creates structure in your life. Because when you're a bachelor, right, you're, uh, there's no night, there's no day, you're not responsible to anybody, you're a free bird. You're a free bird. There's nobody texting you, when are you coming home? There's nobody asking you, why are you leaving? You're leaving again, you already left Monday. So marriage is the ultimate confining factor of structure. I was once... Uh, some situation I was interviewing for an article, Jackie Mason, who repeats some of my jokes. <laughs> so I asked him if he ever regrets not getting married, because he's an Altebacher. His name is not Jackie Mason, his name is Yaakov Maza, just for the record. Ja- Yaakov became Jackie and Maza became uh, Mason. So he said, I don't regret it. I said, why don't you regret it? He says, my father always used to say that marriage is an institution. I don't want to be institutionalized. <laughs> and then he was Maidech Kiyad Hashem Atoiva Love about the institution called marriage. It's an institution, and you're entering it, and everybody understands that. There's responsibility, there's a mortgage, there's tuition, there's a relationship, there's give and take, there's considering another person's life. So, of course, it inhibits you. So, Lechaida, the greatest source of, and, and that's in many ways the Maila of it too. The structure, the seder, the responsibility, not just 
you know, a, a, a young bohemian free spirit who uh, today you're here and tomorrow you're in Japan. And then there's a Hanukkah lighting in India, so you're in India, and then of course you have to stop a few days in Yerushalayim, and then Hawaii, and then you come back. There's a Seidim Masuda to life, and that's even with marriage. Certainly when there's children, it's the ultimate structure. Because now, you know, with one child, Mela, with two, it's brought him a fortune that when Leah had a third son, she said, Hapam, ye love ishi elai. Now my husband will accompany me. Why now? So I think the Haksava HaKabbalah brings, because the first child she holds with the first arm, her right arm. Second child, she holds on the left arm. Third child says, Hapam, you love Yishela. Yaakov, <laughs> Yaakov, come over, you'll hold Levi. So now, finally, my husband will join me. And after, the, first two cho- the first two children, men, are still delusional that they're free. With the third child, suddenly you realize, you know, and, you know, just surrender, just surrender, you know, give up on this delusion, you know, are you going to have Lechaim, you're going to have this, you're driving in here, you're driving there, you're going on vacation for three weeks. Just... Realize that it's a different life. It's a different life. So at, the, at surface, at Bahashkav Rajani, you would say the greatest factor that limits, that inhibits, that structures, that creates finiteness to life is what? Is marriage and children. But the MS is that it's the exact opposite. Because we see that Hashem created the system that Alpiderech Hateva notwithstanding the Supreme Court, in order to have children, in order to create a family, you have to have a man and a woman. <coughs> I heard my Manas Friedman say that he met the other day a traditional couple, a man and a woman. So <laughs> But Hashem made that in order to be able to have children, you need masculine and feminine energy coming together. And no scientist and no psychologist and no revolutionary in the world will be able to change that. <laughs> What's the concept of a child? The concept of a child is what we call Hibinyan Adeyat. What's the concept of Binyan Adeyat? We all know that we're all involved in lots of things, and everybody's involved in projects, and everybody has goals and ambitions, financial ambitions, uh, vocational ambitions, academic ambitions, spiritual ambitions, emotional ambitions, social ambitions, whatever your ambitions are. But every person has ambitions. But whatever we invest time and energy and resources in, it pales in comparison to the time, the resources, the energy you invest in children. Because when the, when the person whose life has been restricted, because he has to tend to his wife and his children, sits with his child, and the he can't go here and he can't go there and he can't do this. But there, you're creating something that's infinite. And that hergish of infinity cannot exist in anything else in the world. Because everything else in the world has limitations. It has the limits of time and space. And as I mentioned, that the greatest structures ultimately one day crumble. The greatest companies, the greatest websites, the greatest organizations, ultimately one day the greatest empires of the world, even Rome, was 500 years, but it's gone. That's the system of life. Because every mortal thing ultimately dies. If it's not today, tomorrow. If not tomorrow, in a century. But nothing is nitzchi. In marriage, Hashem gave parents a koyach to do two things. First of all, to create life, yesh mayayin, and to create something that's eternal, that transcends them and outlives them after death, thousand, possibly thousands of years later. That means in marriage, there's something where koyach ain't soif comes out. So here's the deal. If I want to remain infinite and uninhibited, and therefore I'm not going to get married, then my life will become very finite and short-lived. 
if I'm ready to limit myself in the structure of a relationship of marriage and children, now you allow your life to become your life to become infinite. Actually, to go to to create something a legacy, to create something that's completely beyond you, and that's really something that the, that that the, only the child creates. In the child, you see something in which you can never see in yourself. You see yourself infinite in, in an infinite fashion. And that's why the love to children transcends even the love to the self. So what happens here is that in Nisuyan we experience Ein Saif precisely through the limitation. If the person says, I don't want to be limited, I'm not going to enter into religion, I don't want to be accountable to anybody, I'm a free spirit. They actually cut off their wings, their, their, they cut, they cut, they sever the ability of their souls to enter into a zone of, of adeyad, of nitzchiyas, of, of infinity. It's precisely through, precisely through the hakbolas, the structure, the limitation, the tzimtzum, the yeah. that marriage create, and even more that children create, where a person gets literally to smell, touch, and taste the koyach haboyre, the ability to create life. The magic of birth, the magic of birth, that's a koyach ein saif. That's why it says in Chesidus, there's couples, that biologically there is fertility, and yet there's no child, because a child is a direct blessing, even though, of course, there's the biological issues, but the idea of a child, even if a couple is capable and everything, there's no conspicuous, there's no conspicuous problem, but sometimes years can pass, there's no child. You go to the doctor, there's no reason. Because every child is a direct intervention, what Chassidus calls Kayach Saif. It's a direct, infinite Kayach to create new life. From where did this happen? Where did, what did you contribute suddenly? Suddenly, from a small contribution, an egg, a seed of life, a child is created, and then this child grows up, becomes a teenager, a bocher, and you're looking at them. That's what your father is thinking. Where did this come from? And then this child creates another one and another one. So therefore, Nisuyin, where we touch that which is completely beyond structure, how do you celebrate a marriage? You have to dance. You're going to walk. It's not a chasana, you have to dance like a deer. You have to dance like a deer. Lose your structure, lose your das. Not lamatam and adas. And that's what a real dance is. A real dance is where people forget their ego, where people forget, forget the yeshes. I was at two weddings recently. And this, the music that played at the weddings were diametrically opposed. In one of the weddings, it was very hard to recognize the relation between the music and the Jewish people. It was very hard to, to, to draw a parallel. The other, the other, the other, uh, the other chasana, it was not just Jewish music, yeah. It was Nigunim. Chsidish Nigunim. And I, I went to both weddings, close to both people, and and I, I observed something very interesting. This was just my, my own experience, my own emotion. The, 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 the latter Nigunim, the second Hassan, it was Nigunim that brought out from people their deepest pnimius. The way they celebrate, the way they dance, it brought out their, their best, the best part of them. The deepest part of them. We all have different parts. We're complicated. But the most genuine, authentic, selfless part of them came out. The music helped that come out. And the other one, the most superficial, uh, the most superficial uh, qualities of displaying different dimensions without elaborating, emerged. And you saw clearly, both, both were dancing, were both lebedic. 
but you couldn't compare because re- real dancing is about is a very ruchnizdik thing. Real dancing is is very ruchniz. It's an Indian of shtustik dusha. It's it's a very spiritual thing dancing because real dancing you lose yourself, and when two people lose themselves, what happens? If my ego dissipates and your ego dissipates, so what happens? We become one. And when people become one, so the harmony that creates, this is a gili of ain't safe. This is Because the ego is what divides us. I am I, and you are you. I'm, I protect me, and you protect you. And if we talk, it's always, you know, I protect my zone, you protect your zone. In a moment of l'mayla mitam vidas, I'm not protect. I don't have to protect myself, and you don't have to protect yourself. So when I connect to my Ain Saif, you connect to your Ain Saif, so therefore the Ain Saif becomes one. So we become one, but not because, not because of repression or tyranny. On the contrary, this is the oneness that comes from transcendence. There is the oneness that comes Lamatamanadas. And then there's one that comes Lamailamanadas. That's what dancing is. And as a result of that, the relationship is also on three different levels. A man and a woman are very different. Those of you who are married have probably figured it out at this point. When you're engaged and you're getting married, you often think that you're the same. But when you're really married, you know there's no such a thing. No two men are the same. No two women are the same. Men and women are very, very different. And therefore, the whole institution of marriage is It's God's sense of humor. We all know Bachram belong with Bachram in dormitories. And girls belong with girls in dormitories. First of all, the level of cleanliness. Second of all, what you eat. With Bachram, the policy is, if it doesn't eat you, you eat it. <laughs> That's the policy. I don't care a mouse, I don't care a rat, I don't care a scorpion, I don't care dust. If it doesn't eat me and I'm hungry, it becomes supper. With a woman, 99% of food she's not in the mood of. So I'm, I'm going to vomit, I'm nauseous, I don't like this, it smells, it used to smell. And then there's all the other shinuyim, minakatsa, lakatsa. So on, on one level, it's very, very different. It's a different physiological makeup, a different psychological makeup, a different spiritual makeup. But in order to reach in your own life, that's where you have to get married. If you want to remain in your comfort zone, which is called then you stick to yourself. It's the marriage, which is an integration of two very different chinas, where you touch something beyond the And it's that tension that allows a person to go into a place beyond himself, beyond structure. In other words, in very simple psychological English terms, what he's part of what they're saying in this Maimur is, if you're going to worship your own structures, you will not have a happy marriage. In marriage, you have to be ready to challenge your structures. And when challenging your structures, you become the person you're capable of becoming. Because it's not challenging your structures, where you lose yourself. There's a point where you challenge your structure, you become a shmata. That's not what we're talking about. That's not a very positive thing. That's lamatamenadas. Manadas means you lose your seichel, you lose your individuality. I'm nothing, I'm nobody. Right? There's a t-shirt I once saw. I'm very easy to get along with once you learn to worship me. You know, so that's one way. If you don't have das, if you just become my pet, my dog, my, my deer, right? And you follow what I say, we'll get along. That's lamatamenadas. Here we're talking about something else. You go beyond your structure, lamatamenadas. You're not threatened, like we spoke before about Amuna. You're not threatened by Seichel, you go beyond. And when you go beyond, you could reach places that you could never reach on your own. So, words from the Sefer Tiferes Shloim, you'll hear something new. You'll hear something new. He's listening to me already for 20 years, so it's hard for him to hear something new from me because it's all repeatsy things. Tiferes Shloim says, I just saw it this year, so you probably didn't hear it yet. 
Fereshleimah says, Yaakov was deceived by Lavan, right? He wanted Rachel and he got Leah. Yeah. So it's brought in Chesidus. The Altarebbe has a lot of my marim of this Tavkofayin base. That Leah is Almadis, Skasi Rachel is Almadis Gai. Leah is much deeper than Rachel. Leah is Machshava, Rachel is Dibur. The Altarebbe says a vart, vay, incredible, Vayar Hashem Kisnua Leah. Leah is hated, so he says, because people hate that which they can't understand. And Leah is beyond comprehension for most people. She was so deep, we appreciate things we can wrap our brains around. Something I don't understand, when you don't understand somebody, what do you call them? A Meshuggah. Why don't you call yourself the Meshuggah? I can't, because I can't deal with you. When I can't deal with you, you become a Meshuggah, right? What we don't understand, we hate. That's why scientists and physicists go crazy when they can't understand something. They have to somehow create a structure that makes sense to them. They ask Stephen Hawkins what he feels about quantum mechanics. He says, when you tell me the word quantum mechanics, I pull out my shotgun. Because it's, it's too challenging. Shleia is very, very deep. And deep things we naturally reject. We naturally hate because it becomes too difficult to deal with. We want things that we could assimilate into our system. So Tzvash Lema says that Yaakov came to Lavan and he said, Lamari Misani. What does Lamari Misani mean? Why did you deceive me? He says, Why did you elevate me to such a place that's completely beyond my structure? Lamari Misani, why did you lift me up? So therefore the relationship between Chassan and Kala, which is very different, requires beyond her stashlis. In that itself, you have three levels. You have the Chassan, the Mashpia, and the Kala, the Makabal. That's step number one. To be a good husband, you have to give and give and give and give. Welcome to America or to the world. You have to give and give and give and give. Women, all people struggle. But the emotional struggle of the feminine gender is very deep. It's very deep. The way Hashem created the cycle of a woman simply in her body and her soul is a very complex one. Right? We don't have to be mairich. And the job of the husband is to be a source of leadership Wisdom and inspiration. And not to take another person's cycle seriously to the point that you melt away, you take it personally, and therefore you become offensive. A mashpia has to have a strength that you can always be in a position of giving. What does this mean practically? Very often in a marriage what happens is a woman shears her anxiety. A woman shears how difficult a day is. And instead of the husband being a pillar of strength, he takes it personal and he gets upset. Why are you complaining? Why are you not happy? I work so hard. You have everything you need. You're living... Uh. What happened? What happened was she triggered your own insecurities. <laughs> you become defensive. You feel she doesn't appreciate you. You have to start shtechik. Because you're not a mashpia. You're a makabal. And therefore you need validation constantly for you to feel good about yourself. And the moment she tells you how difficult the day is, you lose it. But if you would be a mashpia, what's that you would be a mashpia? You're in a position of leadership, so then you could be there for the other person. You could tell me that your day was very difficult, and I could simply empathize with you. I could be there for you. I don't always have to take and take and take. I can give and give and give. It's fine. So mashpia really means having that strength and that focus that you could really be there for somebody. You could give them rather than becoming a child and the need to always be macabre, and therefore if you tell me something difficult about yourself, I take it personal and I get offensive and I have to denigrate you and knock you down. Relax. When your wife complains about how difficult the day is, it's her way of saying, I want to be one with you. Men don't understand that, because our policy in life is if you had a hard day, you don't talk about it. 
Our, our philosophy is it was hard enough to experience the day. I don't have to talk about it. With women, the policy exact opposite. If the day is hard, you have to talk about it. You have to review it all. The first time with one sister. Second time with another sister. Third time with a third sister. Fourth time with a mother. After nine times, maybe it gets resolved a little bit. With us, the situation is, you come home, it never happened. How are you feeling? I don't know how I'm feeling. I don't feel. You look stressed. What stress? We, we, I'm, in now, I'm going into a cave. Right? So therefore, he thinks, if she's complaining, it must be he's a horrible husband. So he's a horrible husband. So she thinks, how does she have a chutzpah thing he's a horrible husband when he was just moist and nefesh for her all day? Or she calls him one o'clock, what are you doing? Guy tells me his wife calls him one o'clock, what are you doing? She says, I'm in Las Vegas gambling. That's what I'm doing. He gets very upset. It's a form of a relationship. She wants to be close with you. What's the problem? The problem is that he's not a mashpia, he's a makabal. He always needs validation. If you'd be a mashpia, so you have an inner strength. Don't be a baby. Own yourself. Grow up. In a good way. You're very powerful. Huh? I'll just say that. So you typhus what I'm saying. To be a mashpia means you find your inner strength and your inner wholesomeness and your inner core that you could really be there for somebody. You could truly be there for someone and you don't have to constantly take and become a parasite. That's step one in a wedding. That's chosen lamayla, kala lamat. What happens as a result of that is... That's mesamea chosen v'kala. Step two is kal chosen v'kal kala. Step two is... Where the chosen and the kala, it's what's called in Kabbalah, shoven b'kaymos, and they share equal height. In Kabbalah, it's and malchus, thank you. But then what happens, step three is Mesamea Chassan Im HaKala. Really, the Shoirish of Mechabal is deeper than the Shoirish of Mashpia. When the man gives and suspends himself to create, allows this wife into his life. So what happens now is, she brings him to a place that he could never reach on his own. She brings him to a place that's beyond his own Hishtalshalos. And he touches him, finds himself in a way that he could have never found himself. That's stage three, which is Mesamea Chasan Im HaKala. That's the Kaya HaMakabal. Stage two is Kol Chasan V'Kol Kala, Shavin V'Kay Sharing, complete sharing, complete transparency, like best friends. Like best friends. There's complete trust, and life becomes sheer together. An example. Anybody here has this? An example means that there is there is there is a very very deep uh, <laughs> They say about Aryeh Levin, he was a tzaddik of Yerushalayim, you heard the Aryeh Levin. They say he was once came to the doctor. His wife had a foot an issue with the foot. So he said, my wife has some infection in the foot. So we came to the doctor because my wife's foot hurts us. There's a relationship where there is trust to a point that uh, 
there is complete transparency. In other words, you don't have to you don't have to have layers anymore. You're not defensive anymore. You're not busy protecting yourself. We protect ourselves because there's always trust issues. If you know everything about me, will you still look at me the same way? I'm asking. <laughs> you just said no. <laughs> Which means no. <laughs> Which means no. You understand? By you saying, I don't know, that means no. So that means I, oh, we always have to protect ourselves. Is that not true with husbands and wives? What you say, how you say. Yeah. In, in, in a real relationship of, of true friendship, there is real trust. And therefore, there's no layers. The Gemara says in Ksuvas, Hu If he remains in clothes and she remains in clothes, it's not a marriage. So the Gemara is talking halachically, intimacy. But in Lakuta Taira and other Svarim, it's explained also psychologically and spiritually between Hashem and the Jew. If there's layers of clothes in the relationship, etzem to etzem. What does it mean, essence to essence? Essence to essence means. I could be completely vulnerable without the fear that you will use it against me. That's a very powerful relationship. And that takes years. It's not an easy thing to build. That's, a, that's not an easy thing. That's what intimacy means. Intimacy means into me see. <laughs> into me see. Really? Into me see? To remove all the layers? I don't mean physical. I mean psychological layers, emotional layers, physical layers, mela. <laughs> in our world, the case, it's not so difficult, even in different places. But, but I'm talking about spiritual layers, emotional layers. To be able to have that flow, that exchange, is very, it's very powerful. There was a woman who lives in Crown Heights, her name is Chana Sharfstein. You know who Chana Sharfstein is? So I once heard from her, she, she, wrote this, she, she, she wrote this numerous times. She was a Zuber. She's a Zuber. Huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Her father, Rabbi Yaakov Yisrael Zuber, was the chief rabbi of Sweden. Yeah. And he moved, he came to America, he was killed in Boston. He was shot in the 50s. I think New Year's Eve. Yeah. One of the, this time of the year. So she was a Yisayma, young Yisayma. She came with her mother, she was on Yechidus, and, 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 and she started to consult the Rebbe a lot. He was like a father figure, he helped her out a lot. In the fifth, this is in the 50s, he was killed in 53, 54, one of those years. It was a Chashev the big Talmud Chacham. So I heard from her that she was involved in dating. And that she was on Yechidus, so the Rebbe asked her about this one, that one, but you know her experiences. And she was saying how it's not good, it's not going, she doesn't like this, uh, this part of this person, and this quality, that quality. So he said he looked at her with a lot of uh, affection and sensitivity, and he said, your problem is you're reading too many love novels. So your expectations of what love and marriage is are completely not grounded in reality. They're based on fictional novels that authors write about love, and that's what you're imagining, and you're, you're defining your dates based on that criteria, which is completely delusional. And then he started to tell her what love is. So I don't remember that, but one line I remember she said, that she did ever told her. He said, you get married, you start living together, and a relationship develops, and you, know, you go through life together. You go through the experience, the ups of life, the downs of life. You build a family together. 
and the daily grind of life that you're simply experiencing together brings you closer and closer and closer. And then you reach a point in your life where you're completely one. And you can't imagine yourself without the other. Each one can't imagine because your very self becomes part of the other self. And you can't imagine, I was, you can't imagine the self without the other. He said, that's what love is. That's what love is. A person lives in these delusions of romance, you know, where, where you meet somebody and you're the perfect match and you're exactly the same and everything, all your tastes are identical. After a few months, it dissipates. It's, it's not realistic. She has a personality that's different than your personality. Trust me. Especially your personality. <laughs> the idiosyncrasies are different. A marriage is not about we're exactly the same and everything is identical. I mean, you have those few, you know, lovebirds that you need they meet the first time after 10 minutes they're getting married. I don't mean prearranged marriages. I mean those unique situations. But most situations, it's an avoida. And in this avoida, there's three stages. There's the chasen mashpia and the kala makabal. There's the chasen and kala shavim bekaimason. And then there's the kala that's mashpia to the chasen gives the chasen something that he could never have on its own. And of course, throughout marriage, you have all these three. It's not like either or. These are three concepts of marriage. And that's mesamea chasen imakala. And that's the, the feminine revolution that happens. And the reason there's a feminist revolution in our age is because in a positive sense, in Kedusha, it's the beginning of the feminist revolution of Nekeva the Seib of Gavr. So therefore, in the world, there's also a Yenika, and there's a feminist revolution in the world, even if it's often misplaced and misdirected, etc. So therefore, we now come back. This is an explanation of the Rebbe Dayatz means why he danced at a wedding, Dafka. To be a Kaili, to this type of experience, you come into a Chasana. What's your message to the Chasana and Kala? The Chasana and the Kala, what are you going to tell them? What are you gonna, so you're going to sit them down at a table and start lecturing? The Rebbe says, no, you have one message. The message is, start dancing. <laughs> start dancing. That's the message. That's the message. If you dance, you'll survive. If you dance, you're going to start lecturing. Tam Vedas, you're missing the point. It's a very uh, profound idea. We don't come to weddings to eat, to smell the flowers, to appreciate the Rebbe Nachman, Rebbe Nachman of Breslov once said, there's a person who comes to a wedding, he comes out and he says, ah, the, the, the food was unbelievable. The caterer, Moiradik. He says they weren't at the wedding. Another person comes out, the flowers, Mamish Moiradik. $80,000 for flowers? Wow. They weren't at the wedding. Another person starts complimenting the clothes, and another person compliments the music, and another person compliments the decorations, and another person compliments the ambiance, and another person compliments the Viennese table. Even though Reb Nachman probably didn't enumerate all of these things, their weddings consisted more of a shtickle herring and uh, kishka. Nachman says, another person comes out of the wedding and he tells his wife, you know, it's so nice that these two people are together. He says, they were at the wedding. They were at the wedding. So you could be at the wedding, but you're not at the wedding. You could, right? So what, you come to a wedding, what's your message? Your message is, I have one thing to tell you. Time to dance. It's time to learn how to dance. What's dancing? Going out of your structure. Leaping beyond your Tam Vedas. Because only through that can you really create space for somebody else, and through that you can create a binyan adayat. And that's why it says in the Kutatayra Shirashidim, that's why you lift up the chasin and the kala on the shoulders at a wedding. It says in the Kutatayra, why do we lift up the chasin and kala at a wedding? So you think, stamp some minik. He says, no. We're telling the chasin and kala the only way 
you will be able to maintain a beautiful marriage and a relationship if you both of you are lift yourself up to a place which is called a makif. That's where you'll find your oneness. Because if I'm busy in my comfort zone and you're busy in your comfort zone, how could we become one? I'm obsessed with me and you're obsessed with you and it's about points. You know, I did something for you, you did something for me. It's, you know, it's cheshbonus. I once, a couple once come to see me, so she was telling me that the way they structure their shalom bias is you have to hear this. He has his own bank account, she has her own bank account. But the things that they share come out equally from both bank accounts. So I said, for example, telephone. He says, no, he has his telephone, I have my telephone. I said, what, toilet paper? She says, no, he has his box of tissues, I have my box of tissues. So I said, what? She says, toothpaste. <laughs> toothpaste. So I didn't know if it was a litzon, I didn't know if it was a litzonus or it's serious. So I said, you two would be excellent business partners. This is how shutfim and business have to be. Everything is with a cheshben. I'm not sure it's called a marriage. It may be better that it's a business partner, it's not a marriage. When in order to be married, you have to be able to find the oneness, and the oneness comes when you're united by a value, by an ideal that transcends both of your egos. You have to respect something that transcends both of you, the institution of marriage. And when you both have a real respect to that, that's where you can become really one. Because you go beyond, it's not just my needs or your needs. It's to create a marriage, to create a family, to create a home. Creating a home transcends my needs and your needs. It includes them, but it also transcends them. So this is what now what he's going to finish. Alpi Amar. Interesting in science, there is exactly the same effect. Yeah. When Einstein first published the theory of relativity, all yeah. the physicists in the world said that he's a machine. yeah. Later on, when quantum mechanics came about, Einstein could not understand quantum mechanics and he said something is wrong with it. I'm a shugana. <coughs> Heisenberg is I'm a shugana. Heisenberg is I'm a shugana. Yeah. They couldn't get together. Today, when you learn physics, you know how they go together and they are really one. But before you understand those things, I'm a physicist, I learn both sides. Before you understand those things, everyone is different and you don't see the connection. It takes effort to get the connection. <coughs> So God plays dice with the universe. Of course he plays. Okay. So based on this, that marriage brings down something that's completely beyond the spiritual evolutionary structure of life. So to experience marriage, the message is something that in a person must go beyond rationale and reason. If all marriage is based on logical calculations, it's going to fall apart. It makes sense. People, this person asks me, why is there a 50% divorce rate in America? Why not? Why not? Two people get married, they're supposed to live together for the rest of their life. 50% of the time it works, 50% of the time it doesn't work. We're different, right? And it becomes obvious that we're different. So I understand. Mitzatam vedas, there's every reason to, to split. There's so many chashboinis, everything can go wrong. The commitment to marriage and in marriage must be lamaila mitam vedas. Lamaila mitam vedas doesn't mean abuse, chas v'shalom. Doesn't mean you are shmata, so you have shalom bias. Lamaila mitam vedas means you have so much confidence and courage. 
that you can transcend the limitations of your structure and find your own Ein Saif. And as a result of that, you become a much deeper individual because you reveal your own Beyonce to the You become a deeper individual. You don't become less of an individual. It brings out the best in you, not the worst in you. That's why they used to dance. To help the chasen and kala and give them koyach to access that which is beyond the shtalshalos. How do we give them koyach? We're going to lecture them. We dance. We dance and we represent that pchina. That's why what was the schar? That there was a pillar of light that separated him from the rest of the world, meaning that in our world you saw something that was completely beyond. In other words, because his Anhaga was beyond the structure of the world, so you saw by him that there was something that separated him from the world because he went beyond that structure. That's the Tshaychus of Amudah Denura to the Shtustiktush. Stam that Echagam, interesting. There's a Maimer from the Alter Rebbe, the Baal HaElula of tonight, Chavdal Tevis. It's a fascinating Maimer. It starts off, Lahavin HaTam, to understand the reason that Roiv Shidduchim happened through lies. Lahavin, the reason that most engagements happen through somebody lying. It says in Svarim that Shatchin is Rosh Tevis, Sheker Doiver Kesef Neitel. He utters lies and he takes money. So Alter Rebbe has a mimer on this. He says, why is it that it's always through exaggerations? Why couldn't God make it? Yeah, you tell the bocher, ah, azam meidel, and it's MS. You tell her, azam bocher, loy how you come, I say, like Goldberg. Never. There's Why no, is it? No one like Goldberg. Do the agrees. <laughs> Why is it? Why can't it be? And you know what Dr. Rebbe says? He says, because a shidduch is lamayla mesedir ishtashalas, it can't come down through the conventional channels of information and logic and structure. And therefore, it comes down through Sheker, which is inferior to Amis. It's lower than Das, but it's Shoydish as Lamaila. Agansa has a whole moment about it. What about if you do them, you want? You're lying to yourself. Get her to say yes, you have to say some lies. Vestach the Maisa, yeah? A woman came back from courtship, so she saw the Shatchan. In front of the chosen. So she whispers to the shatra and she said, you pushed a chakra. You told me he's tall. He's short. He's a midget. You told me he's slim. He's huge. He's huge. You told me he's edel. Mama's grub. Brute. You told me he's beautiful. He's ugly like the sultan. So she's whispering. He's, so the chassan says you don't have to whisper. The, the chatkin says you don't have to whisper. He's deaf too. <laughs> so, so, so there's an inyan of beyond the shtalshalos. Beyond the shtalshalos. And, and because there's beyond the shtalshalos, the keli for it is dancing. Siv Gimel. Next tickle. Lahav in shaychis avoyed the dushtos diktushalik lalosin yendasiyas did a layas barach betachtein. 
understand the connection between Shtus de Kedusha and making a Dira Betachtoin and what's, the, what's, the, what, what's bothering him. L'cha'ira. Hein emes shetzorich liyasa avayda de Shtus de Kedusha mnei shayadev shalilachim alavat lezah Shtus de Lomazam. Mikal makayim kivan sheklolis in yinayil anvam alchame shaboy. Hainu hein ha Shtus de Lomazat shemechasom master de emes. Hein ha Shtus de Kedusha shemenatzchei emavatli. Meaning, MS. We explained you need Shtus Dikdusha because the only way you can battle and triumph over Shtus of Klippa is through Shtus Dikdusha. But now we ask a more general and a deeper question. What's the reason Hashem made the world? What's the reason he made a battle in the world? Meaning that you should have a shtus that eclipses truth, that covers truth, and therefore you need shtus diktusha to triumph it. What's the purpose of this whole experience initially? And the answer is that the tachlis of the whole Bria was he wanted a dira b'tachtayna. So that means that somehow any nekudah in avaydah is negeya to the kavan of dira b'tachtayna. So the way that life was designed and the battle was designed and the Avaidu was designed is all for Dira B'tachtayim because that's the purpose. So the question is, why is it that Hashem made the Avaidu in a way that only Shtus Dusha can defeat the challenge? Somehow this is Negea to the clawless Kavan of Dira B'tachtayim. Beyond the specifics you needed for Shtus Dolomaza. But that Kufa was designed for Dira B'tachtayim. So what's Negei in the Dibdachtayim? So now comes the next piece in Basi Lagani Tov He's analyzing the Ois Heid line by line. He finished with marriage, now he goes to the next piece. That when the Rebbe Ayat starts saying, and he gets into Hasaga and Amuna, like we'll see in a moment, it's not Stam to add beer. It's to explain Adava Yisaidi that this Avaidah of Shtus Diktusha is not just an individual thing to battle Shtus Diklipa, but it's an essential component in making Adir Betachtainim, because without Shtus Diktusha, that, that objective can't be fulfilled. In other words, the Rebbe is showing us that when the Rebbe Dayatz goes on to explain something in the Maimon, he's answering a question, he's not just explaining. And the question is, why is negated the Rebbe So the Maimon continues, and now he quotes Bossi Lagani Tov Shinyut Oisei. Ubiyirinyin, who the Rebbe Dayatz says, we learned this when we learned Oisei, the Neirinyin, Safari, Lest Machshavat Fisibe Klavu, Lamayla Megadira Sagim. The energy of the Ein Saif. No thought, no idea, no mind can grasp it, and it's beyond the parameters of comprehension. It can't be grasped through in comprehension. And he continues, So in order to reach his essence, which is beyond, beyond seichel, one must surrender. One must experience a bit, Lord, they must surrender their comfort zones, their wills, their desires. Beyond Tam Vedas, and that's why it's called Shtus. This is the Lashon of Basi Lagani Tav Shinyot. One Vart. And now the whole, the, the, the major part of the Maimah is based on one Vart. The Rebbe Dayat said, not only is Eirin Tzav Lamayla Me'asaga, he said it's Lamayla Me'geder Hasaga. Beyond Asaga means beyond comprehension. I can't understand it. He doesn't say beyond Asaga. He says beyond Geder Hasaga. 
Beyond geder means fence, right? Like a geder, parameter. Beyond the parameter of asaga. Say the mile asaga. Because a vort is bediuk, it's precise. The hine, the explanation is as follows. Hasaga pirusha shemeven omasiga inyin. Comprehension means you understand something. There's something you understand, you get it, right? I get it. I get the svara, I get the structure, I get the nature. And this can be in simple things or in complex things. Those of you who are good technicians, those of you who are computer energy engineers, right? Some people, they look at a computer, they get, they understand the mahalach, they understand what it's, huh? Not you. Okay, other things, other things. Hasagi, you understand, you understand the Indian, whatever it may be, whether it's tangible, whether it's intangible, but you get it. It could be a simple thing like 5 plus 5 equals 10, right? Or a svara like in Gemara, innocent till proven guilty. If somebody wants to take something away from you, they have to bring the proof. It's a logical svara that we understand, we comprehend, we understand the justice of it, we understand the rationality of it, we understand the seichel of it. You say, I understand a person, I understand a person, I get this nature, I get it, you get it. It's very lebedic. But sometimes there's something, you can't understand it. But you're connected to the concept, to the point that you know, you understand what you have to negate from it. You understand enough to be able to speak about what it's not. You don't understand enough to be able to say what it is. But you have an intelligence, you have a sophistication that you can describe what it's not what you have to negate, what, what you should not compare it to. Like, don't put it into that category. You have a certain sensitivity on Amkos, you, you typhus, that you can't describe yet the yes, but you can describe the not, and that's also a description. That means that there's a psashaych is there, you get it. For inyin bazel, let's explain this. The Rambam's magnum opus, his primary work of Jewish philosophy, which he wrote towards the end of his life, we're coming from his yard site now, Chavtevis, is Meir Nevuchim, which means a guide to the perplexed. A guide, Meir Nevuchim, to people who are confused. The Rambam wrote this Sefer as a guide for the perplexed of his generation and subsequent generations. And it's a major book of Jewish philosophy. Machshava, what does Judaism believe? It's divided into three sections. In the first section, Perik Nun Ches, Nun Tes, those Prakim, he describes, is attributed to how we understand and relate to God, Hashem. And the Rambam there elaborates at length that there's two ways in which we discuss something. We describe something. Torim Chiyuvim, Torim Shlom. Torim Chiyuvim means positive descriptions. Torim Shlilim means, how do you translate Torim Shlilim? Huh? How does he translate it? How do you translate Torah Shlilim? Yidiyas HaShlilim, how do you translate it? It's the first time you heard this term. Huh? Torah Chiyuvim is positive descriptions, right? Torah Shlilim are negative descriptions, right? I was looking for a, a chemist's translation, but fine. What does this mean? What does this mean? Huh? Habe. What does this mean? Toyerim <coughs> Chiyuvim is always describing what it is. 
But let's face it, even when you describe what it is, does it mean you described all of it? Of course not. I could look in front of me and somebody says, what, who, what is this in front of you? I'll say a human being. Did I give a positive description? Of course. It already told you that it's not a plant. It already told you that it's not an animal. It already told you that it's not a star. It already told you it's not a bag of potato chips. It's not a piece of art. It's a human being. It's a living organism that we call a human being. A goof, a moyach, a nesham, etc. Did it tell me everything about him? Of course not. <laughs> I don't know his name, <laughs> for starters. Right? I don't know his age. I don't know where he lives. I don't know his personality. I know that he's listening very attentively. So a little bit I know, but that's it. Maybe I'll find out more during the Shia. So don't, don't think the Ramadan says the Torah and Chiyuvim is the full picture. But it's telling you something affirmative, something positive, something about the picture. And it automatically tells you a lot of things that it's not. You right away know it's not in this camp. What happens, the Rambam says, if you see something walking ahead of you, uh, far away, and somebody says, what is it? Then you say it's a balchai. It's a living creature. That's also positive. But I don't know what it is. Is it a dog? Right? Is it maybe a human being? It's too dark. It's too far. But I know it's not a tree. I know it's not a mountain. I know it's not a daimim. It's not a rock. So these are all Torah and And the question is, how much, how much are you getting into Torah and There's level beyond level beyond level. I get to know you. I sit, to, uh, <laughs> if I'm a therapist and I sit with you for 29 years, Kaminig America, and I know you very, very well, so now my Torah and get much more specific. It's not just a person sitting in front of me. It's a person who's a psychotic, it's a neurotic, a nudnik, a shlamil, a psychiatrist, a genius, a chachem, a tormented, whatever it is, Torah and That's one way of describing things. Then the Rambam says this Torah Shlilim. Torah Shlilim means I don't know who you are. I don't know who you are. Right? So what is it shlili? So what is it shlili? So because I know, I know something. I could say who you're not. I could say who you're not. I can't say who you are. But I know what you're not. So why can't you tell me who I, who, what he is? Because I don't, know, I, don't ha- I don't have, I don't have Isis for it. I don't have Caleb for it. I don't have. But I could tell you a lot of what's not, and that means I know a lot. Because I could say what it's not, I know a lot. That's also ignorance. But it's ignorance that comes from a very deep wisdom. Right? It's a very deep wisdom. It's an enlightened form of ignorance. In other words, I know why I don't know, and I know a lot of what I don't know. Meaning, I don't know. <coughs> but I say it's not this, it's not this. This is called a toyar shlili. It's a toyar shlili. I'll give an example. I'll give an example. An example that some of us, I think, can understand pretty well. Pretty well. If somebody asks you, okay, describe to me the essence, the essence of the personality of the Rebbe. Tell me, tell me the essence. I want to know the person. I want to understand who this person was. His inner emotions, what made him tick, his drive, uh, his psychology. Anybody can answer that question? Give me a couple of books. <laughs> with all the books, with all the books, all the books tell us more about the author of the books than about the person they were writing about. <laughs> you understand? 
They're good books. They're good. Don't get me wrong, but they're they more but the. So anybody who even dedicated their life to try to figure out the Rebbe knows that the most accurate, intelligent answer is, I don't know. <laughs> and it's a good answer. <laughs> it's an intelligent answer. I really don't know. It's very, very hard. The Rebbe was an extremely mysterious person. What do I mean mysterious? Even in his Izgalos, there was mystery. The Mendel HaRadokar, the Mendel of Vitebske, the Priyaretz, the Talmud of the Magid, so his Talmudim was sitting with him. They said, Rebbe, show us a tzaddik nister. We want to see a tzaddik nister. So he said, me. Ich bin a tzaddik nister. I'm a concealed They said, you? We all know you're a tzaddik. So he said, ach und wei. Oi, mein Sitkes wird given wie viel ihr weist. Ach und wei, if my Sitkes would be as large as you know it. In other words, I'm a tzaddik because you get it. That's how far my tzaddik, my Sitkes would reach. In that sense, the Rebbe was also a tzaddik nister. That's called a nister? <laughs> of course it's called a nister. But you know what? But you could say a lot of things that he was not. And it's very true. Yeah. So some, somebody will marshal the scribe, the Rebbe's schedule. Yeah. He didn't sleep more than this and this amount of hours a night. And from a lot of knots, you get a certain glimpse. You get a certain glimpse. A person who for 50 years didn't take a single day off. You're not telling me yes, but you're telling me not. You say, whoa, that's not so normal. A person who when he had a heart, double heart attack didn't take off a day of work after that. <laughs> I'm not telling you yes, but I'm telling you not. A person who didn't change his shoes for 30 years. Tough Shinoni changed his shoes. I think I heard it from you, maybe I heard it from you or maybe I heard it from somebody else that one of the you know one of this all these books that are coming out, you know, Rebbe's biographies and the other uh, every Chochem is becoming an expert on the Rebbe. And uh, someone said that in order to write a biography about someone, yes, you have to like someone was I want to write a biography about Rabbi Jacobson, yes? I have to hang around with you for a couple of months or a couple of years and listen to your stories and your childhood stories. And then slowly, slowly, I put a book together and I hear the mice from the Zaydas, from the Babas. One of the things that people don't grasp is that the Rebbe spoke for 60 years. And can, nobody can put together a word. The Rebbe never spoke in my Zaydas, but my son, Gigangan. You talk to any Rebbe, you walk into any story, five <coughs> seconds later, you know, my Zaydas and my Babas and my Deuce and my... In and ahead, and this is where I came from. This is where my grandfather is. Yeah. 60 years the Rebbe spoke, thousands <coughs> up a thousand, 500, 600 books, and you can write nothing about You can, can write a biography. But this, 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 this he didn't is speak not, about himself. So, so I'm, I'm just giving a marshal, it's going to become more upset, but a marshal. Another knot. <coughs> yeah. It's another yeah, yeah, knot. yeah, yeah. From negating, from a lot of knots, from a lot of knots, there's something comes out, something comes out. Yeah. Another way you could know is from a person's activities. A lot of the Rebbe, you look at his output, his letters, his sikhs, his maimodim, his rishimis, his journals, his conversations with people, the guidance, and you also get a glimpse, but it's who he is. It's messages, it's information, it's a chiddish, it's something that came out of this person's <coughs> brain, of this person's mouth. But you want to describe who's the person, what makes them tick in the pinami, is you say an intelligent person knows that uh, this is an union of shlula.
So then say, so why talk about it? So don't talk about it. If you don't, if at the end you're going to tell me I don't know, so don't talk about it. I was once learning chassidus by somebody, and I had a question. It was a complicated thing I didn't understand. I went over to him, big masculine chassidus, and I asked him, Shah. So he, uh, he started to think about it. For a few minutes he was silent. And after a few minutes he looks at me and he says, Ich weiß nicht. I don't know. Now I could have gone to my six-year-old daughter and also asked her the question. You know what she would tell me? I don't know. But there was a big difference. <laughs> there was a big difference. There's I don't know and there's I don't know. There's I don't know because I, I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about. And this I don't know because I thought and I went as far as I can get and I can't go further and therefore I don't know. But the I don't know has a lot of knowledge in it. It has a lot of asaga in it because I, I know why I don't know and therefore I know a little bit of what I don't know even though I don't know. Even though I don't know. There's three, there's, there's Passive ignorance, Rabbi Brow, Professor Brow has an article, there's passive ignorance, active ignorance, in, inherent ignorance. Passive ignorance is what happens to a couch potato who sits four years and watches television for nine hours a day. Right? Clots. Active ignorance is the scientist who has a bias to disprove God's existence and will use sophisticated scientific terminology to make sure that he remains ignorant. Inherent ignorance or enlightened ignorance is the ignorance that comes after a life of research and scrutiny and wisdom and then you come and say, but I can't say what it is. But I could say what it's not. So the Rambam says, Toyerim Shlilim is what it's not. So now let's go further. Kamaya Toyer Chachem the way Chachem is Chiyuv, I say, this person is a Chachem. You could say this person is a Shaita. Meaning, the person has the components of what we call Chachma. Cleverness, wisdom, maturity, Depth, knowledge, chachma. What we describe as chachma, say, Ed is a chachem. He's a chachem. Al derech You say, this person is a kind person. He's a balchesed. He has certain qualities you could describe. Describe what type of heart he has. You say, this is a heart of a balchesed. The way he speaks to people, the way he helps people, the way he responds to people, the way he listens to people, the way he goes out of his way for people, the way he cries for people. He's, this is chesed. This is a positive description of a person. There's something about them. It's very clear. It's a positive description. Doesn't mean you know everything about their chesed. Lavdafke. Doesn't mean there's nothing else to them besides chesed. Lavdafke. But these are all teredim chiyuvim. Amnam lamayla says the Ram. L'shayich leimar teredim chiyuvim. Kim teredim shlilim. Says the Ram when it comes to Hashem. The toyarim chiyuvim must cease to exist. All you can describe is toyarim shlilim. Negative descriptions. Balashan achsidis hu inyan yidiyas hashlila. In chsidis, lekut toyarim kudeh. It's called yidiyas achiyuv versus yidiyas hashlila. Yidiyas achiyuv means I know what it is. Yidiyas hashlila means I know what it's not. I know it through negation. 
When you say about Hashem, he's a Chacham. You say about Hashem, he's a Chazdan. You say about Hashem, he's alive. He's Chai. You say about Hashem, he's Yochel. He's capable. He can. God can. I can. Elept. As Klug. He loves. He's Rachum. He's Chanun. He's Rav Chesed. Whatever it is. Says the Ramadizirak. What you want to say is, he's not dead. He's not not wise. You're trying to say he's not lacking the qualities that are antithetical to Chachma. But it means this is, he's a Chachma. You're not going to find Chachma. You can't describe him as that. He doesn't have those things or that's not all that he is? No, he doesn't even have those things. Because he's been out. Huh? Because he's there now. Yeah, but um, he's not missing. It's not he doesn't have those things, and therefore you'll say, this guy Nebuch is not a Chacham, you know? Or this guy is really narcissistic. He has no Chesed in him or no Rachmanus in him. When you're negating it... Right. Or he's alive in the sense that he's not absent. The Ramam even says when you say he exists, you can't even say that. Because we define existence in terminology of the way we define it. Existence means there's a substance that's here. The Ramam says, we say he exists just to mean that you can't say he doesn't exist. Even the term existence is already a certain toyar chiyuv. It exists. I say, this thing exists, it's already chiyuv. It's not much, because w- 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 it exists, but, but as what? <laughs> as what? It can exist as an atomic particle, and it can exist as, a, uh, as an ocean, as an Atlantic Ocean. right? But it's already chiyuv. It exists as already chiyuv. You don't even say that, he says. You just say, so why do you say Hashem exists? He says, you're right. I'm just, I just mean to say, I'm not going to say he doesn't exist. I'm not going to say he doesn't exist. So that already tells me something. So what does it tell me about God? It tells me, he's a body. Yeah. So he, says, he doesn't have a body. Okay. He doesn't have a body. So what is it? So the Rambam says, I, I can't get to that. So all the descriptions in the whole Tanakh, and then among all Chazal and all Svarim, according to the Rambam, are all Shlila. It's never yes. It's never this is what God is. Even the word God. I, I need a word, so I say it. So how do I describe it? The Rambam says, I can't describe it, but I can tell you a lot of things that it's not. That's the Rambam's word. Vihine. Even though Yidiyas Ashlila does not constitute knowledge in the substance of the thing, it's not like Yidiyas Ashlila, because all you're doing is you're negating from the thing qualities that other things have. So you're not describing this person or this reality, you're just saying that this reality, right? This reality is not... Is not consist of qualities with which you would describe another reality. So you're not even describing the reality, you're just describing what the reality is not. So that's true. The Rambam says that through many Torahim Shlilim meaning, through having a lot of Yidiyas about how it's negated, by being at mafshit, you divest it from one Indian and then another Indian. In other words, you demonstrate how abstract it is. And you show how limited our description and vocabulary is. And you take that deeper and deeper. And you strip one layer and then another layer, another, like an onion. And you go deeper and deeper and deeper, even though you never get... 
to the core to define it. But nonetheless, says the Rambam, you actually it demonstrates a certain closeness to the truth of the reality. Because enough shlila gives you some description. Enough shlila telling me what it's not and what it's not and what it's not deeper and deeper and deeper takes me already to an elevated place where I begin to glimpse not the core or the essence of the object of the, of the reality in positive terms, but it gives me a glimpse of what I'm dealing with. Even if in one area I have awe, I have reverence, I'm like, wow. Even that wow is something. You're wowed, you're overwhelmed, right? You're, you're bottled in its presence. That itself, that itself, the wow represents, you know something, you know enough, you know enough. This is enlightened ignorance. What's the, the expression in Chir, Rabbi Yosef Olboy? Tachlis hayidiyah shaloy da'acha. The ultimate knowledge is that I should say that I don't know. Why is that the ultimate knowledge? If that's the ultimate knowledge, don't learn. The person who never learns also says, I don't know. But there's two I don't knows. There's I don't know, I don't know. And then there is, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. And then ultimately, I know that I don't know. But I know that I don't know. And because I know that I don't know, so therefore... I have an appreciation, I have a sensitivity, I have a respect. Let me describe this for a moment in relationships, just to make, bring it a little more home. You know, do you know anybody completely in their essence? There's no such a thing. You barely know yourself, so you know somebody else. You know somebody else. But there are elements in a relationship that you do know. It's called Yediya Sachiv. Take, take a best friend, take a spouse. There's things you know, Yediya Sachiv. But there's also things you don't know. And you're fine with that. There's a certain respect that brings out boundaries. There's something about you that I don't know and I don't have to know and I don't want to know. I may want to know, but I'm not, I'm not, I don't have to pry. I don't have to go beyond my boundaries. And that warrants respect. And every relationship needs both. I heard somebody once said that the word for re- knowing somebody, recognizing the person is lahakir, right? Lahakir. And it's, it's, it's associated with another term, which is, which is nachri, nechar, alien, somebody who's alien. I don't know. Because when you really know somebody, you know that you don't know. When I don't know you, I could think that I know you. When I really know you, when you really know somebody very well, you know that there's something that's off boundaries. Because the etzim of a person, I cannot grasp. Unless I'm you, I can't grasp it. There's something in you that is alone. So this is even within human terms, where there's Yediyah Sachiyuv, a relationship has two things. There's Yediyah Sachiyuv, which makes me feel close, and there's Yediyah Sachiyuv, which makes me respect. And there's no relationship that's successful if you don't have both. If you feel that there's everything about your spouse, everything about your child that you know and you grasp and you analyze and you dissect, it means you don't really know. It means you're, it's, a, it's a shtus. It's a shtus to think you know. Part of knowing is, I don't know. I could say what it's not. I know what bothers you. I know what bothers you, but I know what, what, what the nekudah is that I don't know. After my father passed away, I'll tell you a personal story. After my father passed away, passed away Tavshin Samachay in ear. So uh, my father was a very interesting character. He had a lot, a lot of personality, a lot of personality. So, uh, and I was, and uh, you know, he was a very interesting tip, as they say, tipus. 
So I went to somebody who, who worked with him for many years. He also passed away. His name was Heshke Dabrowski. He was a psychologist, uh, the great Yiddish writer. And uh, I sat with him one night and I said, Heshke, Zogemir de Mochus for mein Taten. Tell me the essence of my father. And his answer really was very powerful. He thought for a few moments and he said, I can't tell you the essence of your father. But if you're his child, then look into your own essence and over there you'll discover it. But I can't tell you. I can't tell it to you. And it was a very profound description of how much we know and how much we don't know. So even in our own world, there's this idea, one makes you feel close and one makes you feel respect, right? And both are very powerful. These are the two elements of a relationship. I know you, I grasp you, I get you, and then I say, I know nothing. I just have to respect. Respect. When a man came to me, he says his wife is upset that he doesn't buy flowers for Shabbos. So he asked me if he's mechuyev to buy roses for Shabbos. I say, why not? He says, I always ask her, why do you need it? What do you gain from it? It dies in a few days. I'll buy you schnitzel. <laughs> <laughs> That's what he's explaining to his wife. Talk about a marriage. So I told him, I told him, there's in Yiddish guy, there's edes, chukim, and mishpatim. Chukim, chazal say, chukachakakti, there's no permission. I said, roses for your wife for Shabbos is In a millions, you'll never understand it. You'll never comprehend it. It's not for your moichen. It's not for your neshama. Just there's certain things that are chukim. Oh, now I understand. So once a guy came to the bank at 4 o'clock, it was closing already, and he needed to withdraw, so he comes to the counter. I need it. Says, sorry, it's over 4 o'clock. I need it. She says, listen, I apologize, but the computers are down. It doesn't work. I need the money right now. I was here. I got stuck in traffic. She says, please, sir, why are you screaming? He goes over to the manager and says, this is corrupt. I need the money right now. Put on the computers. The guy gives him a punch in the face. He says, okay, and he leaves. So she runs after him. He says, I don't understand. I was, I was, I was so nice. I was, I was talking to you about everything, and you were complaining. This guy gives you a punch in the face, and you just you agree and you go away. He says, listen, you were just talking. He explained it to me. <laughs> right, so, so sometimes those are the best explanations, you understand? The best explanation. So this is called Yidiya Sashlila. You understand what I'm talking about? You understand it with Chiyav or with Shlila? <laughs> now I'll tell you like this. There's two types of scholars. There's a scholar of Chiyav and there's a scholar of Shlila. Not many of us have had real teachers in our lives, so let me explain this. There's, 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 a, there's a Talmud Chacham, a Rosh Hashiva, a Gon Oilam. His chush is that whatever he explains, you see it. You see it in front of your eyes. He paints a picture, he tells a story, he gives an idea, it's mamish, you're holding it, you're touching it, you're feeling it. This is called a chush of halbasha. He knows how to bring it down. A six-year-old understands. You have people, yeah, 
Goinim, they speak, a six-year-old understands. Does he understand like a 30-year-old? No, but the six-year-old understands. The six-year-old is smiling as much as the 30-year-old. This is a chush of halbosha, of bringing it down in Levushim to the point that you feel it. Before this, it's so abstract, you don't know what hit you. He suddenly speaks, and it's visual, it's clear. You have another, another person, his chush is exact opposite. Something you thought you understand, at the end you know you understand nothing of it. What does he do? It's called mafshit. This is what he says in the Maimer. He's mafshitted. What's that? He's mafshit. He's mafshitted means he removes it from every levush. Any way you thought you grasp it, he shows deeper, deeper, more abstract, more abstract, more abstract, more abstract, more abstract. Until you reach Nakudis where you're like, whoa. And it's a much deeper oifen because here it's not bringing it down. It's a real, it's a real way of learning. This was, it's many ways, the difference of Reb Chaim Briske and the Rakachava gone, I think. Reb Chaim, the Briske Derech, Reb Chaim especially, <coughs> Halbasha. He crystallized and dissected ideas. He, he, he took halachas and he went into the pnimius of it to point, to bring out in a crystal clear way what's the core of the Svada, what's the core of this halacha. And that's why there's always shnei dinim, there's gavre and there's hefts and there's a din in this and a din in this. Because when you dissect it and you take up a part, suddenly you see this is not connected to this. The Rakachavir gone in his svarim, everything is hafshata, more abstract, more abstract. He'll take a halacha, he'll take a halacha and hilchis halva, or halacha and hilchis muktz, halacha and hilchis tefillin, and suddenly it connects to a debate in Rambam and Merin between these philosophers and these philosophers about Chaymer and Surah, suddenly a practical halacha. I saw, I saw he does a, a Mishnah in Bab Metziah, it's about Reichiv and Manhiks, somebody who's riding on the donkey and somebody who's leading the donkey. And he explains that it's connected to Saiviv and Mamale and it's connected to two Dinim and Ashgacha Pratis, and this was the Machloikas of Nadav and Aviyu and Moshe Rabbeinu. Suddenly a concrete, a concrete reality is divested. It becomes, he goes back to the core and he traces it back higher and higher and higher and higher till it's removed from all of its physical incarnations. And all your typhus is a very abstract thing. And at that point, you can't grasp it. It eludes you. But you, you recognize, you recognize the depth of it. It's two different chushim. So Yediyah Sachiv, Yediyah Sachil is not just the way the Rambam says when he talks to God, Yediyah Sachil. It's two modalities of, of, of thought. It's two modalities of comprehension. And both are very true in almost every area of life. The more downward you go, the more chiv. The more upward you go, the more shlila. And you go higher and higher, there's more shlila, more shlila. Till there's a point where it's completely shlila, it's Yediyah Sachil. You, you, you grasp a little bit what I'm saying? Huh? The explain this is true not only by physical inyanim, but even by ruchnim. In other words, it's not only in Dvarim Gashmim, we're through Shalila. You could be typhus, right? For example, electricity. You can describe, you're a physicist, you can describe what electricity is. I can, but it's not easy. <laughs> Maybe you can describe it to us. In a sentence, what's electricity? Tell us what it's not. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that much easier. He could talk what it's not, right? Yeah. So even in Gashmias, there's sometimes things you can't describe exactly. Especially when it's more dacus things, right? 
not things that are so tangible, but you could describe what it's not. But he says, even in Ruchnius it's true. There are things that are bahasaga, and then there are things that are begeder hasaga. Yidiyas hachiyuv is, you get it. Yidiyas hashlil is geder hasaga. It's in the parameter of comprehension. You can't say it's hasaga, you don't get it. But it's begeder hasaka. What do I mean? It's in the parameter of comprehension. Because you can talk about it intelligently enough that you could say what it's not. So that means there's some glimpse of what it is because you could say it's not this, it's not this, it's not this. So therefore, it's begeder hasaka. It's in the world of hasaka. It's in the gather, it's in the fence, it's in the parameters of comprehension. It's takanat hasaka, but it's called begeder hasaka. So when they're free, the Kerebbe says in the Maimer that Eirin Sof is not begeder hasaga. He's not negating Yidiyas Achiyuv. What is he negating? Yidiyas Achlila. So that's not a negation. That's also a negation. Right a negation. You can't even say what's not. No, that's already a different mahalach. It's not even hasaga. It's not even begeder hasaga. Shlila. Ah, the Rambam doesn't use words mamali and soiviv. Mamali and soiviv are Kabbalistic terminology. Mamali and soiviv, you're now borrowing from a different world. So now he spoke Rambam. The next tickle is going to go to Chesidus. Now he spoke Mer Nevuchim language. Mer Nevuchim language is not soiviv and mamali. Soiviv mamali is zoyar. That's the world of Kabbalah. It's a different world than Mer Nevuchim. Mer Nevuchim is the world of philosophy, chkira. Zoyar, kisveyar, izal, chesidus, the world of Kabbalah. Chesidus Chabad synthesized Mer Nebuchim and Kabbalah. Alter Rebbe synthesized Mer tried to synthesize Mer Nebuchim and Kabbalah. But it's two worlds. In the next shtickle, the Rebbe is going to begin to work this out the way it's in Chesidus. Because what really we're dealing with is whenever we talk about something in terms of Yediyas Hashlila, what's the first idea? The first idea is the first consequences, you can't have a relationship with it. You can't have a relationship with it. Because how do we have relationships? What's the key to be able to have a relationship with somebody? Answer. But, but in order to be able to communicate, what do you need? Commonalities. Commonalities, right? You remember his song, A.B. Rottenberg, about special children? Don't you get scared when there's a thunder? You remember that song? Ah, he speaks about special children. Don't you, don't you tremble when there's a thunder? We're more alike than we think. If you love what I love, if you're scared of what I'm scared, if you're, if you're sensitive to what I'm sensitive, we can bond. What does the Peshat, you have a good friend? What makes a good friend? A good friend means you have a lot, a lot of, you have shared interests, right? If there's one person that his whole life, his basic interest is iPhone 6. You meet him at a chasana, that's what he speaks about. A bar mitzvah, that's what he speaks about. An upshenish, that's what he speaks about. This phone, that phone, that phone, that phone. That and mileage in the Hilton. Or American Airlines. That's his interest. So it's an interesting, it's an interesting sugi in the world. No question. But there's another person. It means nothing to him. He'll speak about it for 30 seconds when he needs a phone. He has other interests. So they're going to meet. They're going to sit. What are they going to talk about? <laughs> That's why we invented the concept of gossip. Because <laughs> gossip is always a common denominator. You talk about a third guy. Oh, Right, but the point is, if there's no commonality, we can't bond. We have to be able to bond, right? You can have a relationship with. Uh, you ever had a relationship with uh, 
with a with a with a bird. Huh? It's huh? No, no, I know, I know. But we all understand it's a little harder. It's a little harder. Why? Because a dog, Marshal, you're being perturbed by something? Okay. A dog, Marshal, right? Man's kulay leif, kelevis, kulay leif. Yeah. You have a relationship with a deer. What, what, what are you going to talk about? You have to be able to find that sadat shava between you. You can have a relationship with an ant. Yeah, you can have. I mean, you could build. You could build. You could build a cage in your bedroom for the ant, and you could talk to the ant, and you can learn chitas with the ant, and you can learn dafyomi with the ant. But it's not, not going to be reciprocal. We can have a relationship with each other because we have commonalities. What does yidiyas hashlila really mean? Yidiyas hashlila means there's no commonalities. There's no chachma in you. There's no chesed in you. There's no rachma in you. There's no emotions in you. Right? I can't say you're emotional. I can't say you're intelligent. I can't say you exist. I can't say you're alive. I can't say you're kind. I can't say you're tough. I can't say you're mushy. I can't say you're loving. Okay, so what's that left with? <laughs> All I could say is like, wow, you're perfect. You're impeccable. You're flawless. And that's why in the world of Chakir, in the world of philosophy, there's a distance. There's a distance. Because God is perfect. And the perfect God, how do we relate to? We're, everything about us is imperfect. Our Chachma is imperfect. Our Chesed is imperfect. Our personality is imperfect. When I'm imperfect and you're imperfect, we can relate because we complement each other and we understand each other. But how can imperfection <laughs> relate to something that's Yidiya Sashlila? That's why the God of Chakira, or actually the God that Chakira speaks about is ultimately removed and distant, certainly emotionally. What do we mean emotionally distant? There could be a tremendous Ahava, a tremendous Chukka, a tremendous Yenika, Right? But it's more or less from one, coming from one side. And the more I go into the world of Shlila, the closer, the closer the glimpse I can get. But ultimately, there is a certain absolute gulf. Because God is untouchable, and God is unmovable, and God is completely perfect, and God is impeccable, and God is flawless. And that's why the Rambam does not stop insisting in the Meirin, Yada Chazaka, you just learned till Chesed that whenever. Torah, whenever Tanakh uses physical descriptions for God, right? It's always, what is it? Anthropomorphisms, which means whenever we attribute human qualities or physical qualities to God, the Raman will always say it's simply to be able to make the language accessible to people. It's never about Hashem. Yad Hashem simply means that Hashem did something that if a person would do it, we would say, ah, he did it with his arm. Right? If I defeat an enemy, if I beat up an enemy who wants to harm my child, I do it with my fist. So when Hashem took the Jews out of Egypt, you'll say he did it with his arm. It doesn't mean he has an arm. It doesn't mean he has anything similar to an arm. It doesn't mean he relates to an arm. An arm is a created thing. God created an arm. Elamai, Elamai, there's an activity that came from Hashem's will that if a person would do it, we would, we would speak about it in terms of Yad. So there's a complete distance between these descriptions and Hashem. In the world of Kabbalah, this changes. Mamale Kalalman changes this. It doesn't change it. It doesn't argue with the Rambam. It just speaks about another dimension, which is post-symptom. We will see. And here we're talking about something else. Here we're talking about that which is beyond Yediyas Hashlila. So we're going to discover three dimensions. We're going to discover Yediyas Hachiyuv, which in Chsidis is going to become Memale, but we're not there yet. We're going to discover Yediyas Hashlila, which in Chsidis is going to become what? 
soiviv. And then we're going to discuss that which is not mamali, not soiviv, and there's no yediyah sashlula. This is what Chassidus calls atzmos. What Chassidus calls atzmos. And atzmos not as a name, another name, but as he will describe what atzmos is. And then the greatest, one of the great bombs in Sivdalari explains what this means in Avaid. What the third pchin is in Avaid. Okay, huh? Ms. 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 That's a good question. That's a good question. This class is brought to you by the yeshiva.net. Please help us continue the classes. Make even a small contribution at www.theyeshiva.net slash donate.